0: Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash iFanboy.
1: Welcome to iFanboy Booksplode, Avengers Forever. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I am here with Josh Flanagan. Hello! And this is the show unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy, where Josh and I take a look at a collected edition, a trade paperback, an OGN, something more than a regular comic every other month. And this month, we decided to talk about Avengers Forever because we just haven't had enough of Kang. You know, it's funny. I didn't even think about it when we... Because we've been talking about doing this for a while, this particular volume, but they just—they did—they just recently, somewhat recently, time has no meaning. Announced they're doing a new Avengers Forever story.
0: That's good. Now when we talk about it on the show, we won't sound completely lost trying to remember twenty-two-year-old memories. So that's coming out some
1: point soon. I don't know when. But anyway, let's talk about this one. This was a—oh, tw- spoilers! Spoilers for an old comic. This was a twelve-issue series that came out while we were still in college, started our senior year started coming out in 1998, ended up in 1999, and at the time was a huge deal. Kurt Busiek was, I'm sorry, this is written by Kurt Busiek and drawn by Carlos Pacheco with some inkers, and actually just Jesus Marino the whole time. Look at that. They have the really? player team he together for Marino. the whole the whole no time. Kidding. I didn't know that he had he'd
0: inked prior to, he's been around a
1: long time. Let's do this Jesus properly, Marino. like a real team who hasn't skipped the books booksplodes since August. Avengers Forever, written by Kurt Music with plot assists by Roger Stern, the great Roger Stern. Art by Carlos Pacheco, inks by Jesus Marino, colors by Steve Oliff. Yeah, I mean, basically, the creative team is the same all the way through. Richard Starkings on letters with Albert DeChesney. That's pretty amazing. I believe that's pronounced Duchesne. Duchenne? Duchenne. It's not as much fun as Duchenne. Albert Duchesne. No. Well, it's true, but... Um, at the time this book came out, Kurt Busick was still writing Avengers with George Perez. So that was the hot book at Marvel. And they announced they were doing this Avengers standalone. sort. Of not It wasn't an event. This gets in the whole what is an event conversation. But it wasn't like an event book. But it was more like they're, they're doing like a prestige Avengers miniseries outside of the Avengers book. And so it was a big deal. And someone like me, who grew up reading... All comics, but from the Marvel side, the Avengers was one of my favorite characters. I was super excited because Busek and Perez Avengers book was like a return to glory after the horrible old situation with Rob Liefeld doing Avengers, or Captain America, whoever was so doing So he Avengers.
0: wrote this at the same time that same he was time. doing... That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's too bad because he, you know, he really phoned it in on this one. <laughs> so like he, didn't, he didn't
1: put anything into it. Yeah. He, he, he relied heavily on Jesus <laughs> Marina. No words in the script. <laughs> I mean, and the plotting was so basic. Yeah. Not complicated at all. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine reading this over a year span? I did it, Connor. I was there. I was going to ask you, did you read this at the time? Were you excited? I know you were inching, you were inching back into comics at this point.
0: Yeah. I wasn't super, I, I would say I'd been reading for about a year or so at this point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I didn't know comics. I, I knew all this stuff from before, but I don't know that I knew enough to be excited about the people involved. I I know that I've been reading Avengers, and I had just been learning you know, over that time, like, oh, I like this Busick guy. Mm -hmm. And so, in that way, I was excited, but I didn't have a a strong Kang love at that point, although this might have had something to do with it. (laughs) But I do remember thinking it was really fun, but I also absolutely remember losing track of it. And going into this, this time reading it again, I thought... I'm probably just going to lose track of it again. But I think because I mainlined it so much, it wasn't any less complicated than I remembered. But I did hold on a lot better.
1: I had more to work with. I have the collection. I've owned the collected edition for a while. But if you're a Marvel Universe subscriber, all the issues are on there, which I think is how Josh read it. It is, yep. I remember at the time, especially with the first issue being like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, again, it's 1998. There's really no internet. I mean, there is, but there's not the way there is now. It's not like you really knew what was coming, other than maybe you saw a house ad or saw it in Comic Shop News or something. But it wasn't like you knew a lot about what was coming. And also, we're in college, so I wasn't spending a lot of time (laughs) keeping track of what was coming comics-wise. I just went to the store every Wednesday. I was too busy doing other things. The internet was nascent. Right. So I remember thinking, cool, this Avengers event, Captain America's on the cover. There's Giant Man. I don't know who all those people are, but we'll figure it out. And then the first issue, I was just like, what is happening? I feel like I've been bait and switched. And I remember it took a while until I really got into it. And by the end, I loved it. I mean, this is one of my all-time favorite Avengers stories. But it, it was at first like, what is this I'm reading? It's not the Avengers of the time. It's a sort of all-star out-of-time Avengers team. There's some very unusual team members here. And it wasn't you know, the Captain America I love to read. It wasn't the Hawkeye Although it was the Hawkeye I loved to read. He just didn't look the way yeah, he was it was, it was both of
0: those things at the same time.
1: Right, so I remember as a, as a 20, 21-year-old, I was like, what is going on here? But, but at the end of it, I loved it. So Pacheco was a big deal at the time. He made a name for himself on the X-Men books, and so him going over to the Avengers family was a big deal. This was a huge deal and a huge seller, a big success for Marvel. Now, we'll get to the story in a second, but Josh, I thought from a craft standpoint, what was really interesting about this book was that this period of time, the late 90s, is like a transition point in terms of how comics are created, how they're written. Or hmm. are just like a year and a half. And Bendis is around doing indie books right at this point, but he's not doing Marvel books yet. He's a, two, he's a he year and a half. He hasn't
0: started Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man yet? Mm. I feel like that was 2000? 2000,
1: 2000 I think. So yeah. by the end of this book, he's just months away. But by the beginning of this book, it's still still about a year. So this is still kind of the old school style of comics you know bendis doesn't come in warren ellis's stuff with the authority doesn't change the style this is sort of the last vestige of your classic comic book style where you have third-party narration and I, a lot was, of words i was wondering how
0: intentional that was first like i was i was like is this how i don't think that this was how busick wrote everything at this point like if you were to read his avengers from the same time period i feel like this was somewhat deliberate. I don't know. I think this was the style. Really? Because Bendis hasn't I, started yet. And it really changed yeah, with him. That's, uh, see, I don't, I don't know that I, 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 I... I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't think of it that way. I think of it as a sea change. And he was, you know, among the forefront of it. But, I mean, like, I, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I was thinking that it was like retro-modern or, or what. But it, it feels really overwrought. But in that way, the whole thing tends to s- straddle a lot of eras. If I might, you know, like it, it would fit like with the form mm-hmm. to have it be sort of written in one style and look in a different style, you know, because the characters are from all over time and they go all over time. And it's sort of all the things at once, everything coming at you as big and fast and hard as possible. I think that even if this was the style, I, I tend to think, and, and I don't I don't know because I don't have the context for it anymore, but I tend to think that he had turned up the dial on it. Like he's like, I'm going to
1: full Stanley you. And that's possible, but this certainly wasn't, this wasn't a throwback. This is basically how mm-hmm. Avengers was written. Yeah. Maybe not to 11 like this. It really is Bendis and Ellis that changed the whole game in about a year, year's yeah. time from the start of this. Yep. Yeah. And so what I found myself thinking is, I really like this style. Now, do I want to read 25 books a week like this? No. Ooh. Because I don't have a lot of time free <laughs> time. But I loved reading this book. I miss the captions that are talking to you or are not just gussied up thought balloons. Sure, I just like it. It just feels comfortable. But it's a lot though.
0: It is. You know, it's interesting too. Is that I found myself curious. I was like, is this must be digitally lettered? But early digital lettering, relatively speaking, yeah, maybe. and I don't yeah, comic craft
1: really was comic craft, so that probably okay. It yeah. Easy. So yeah.
0: that's and and that's sort of one of the real. Uh, front runners and digital comic book lettering. Yep. And then the other bit here is, I believe it's digitally colored, but I can't be sure. Although this might have been like the color separation. I think it's digitally colored though.
1: Steve Olaf from oleoptics.com and graphic color, the, the, the color separations. So I
0: don't know. Those color separations is usually a thing like one person does the colors and then somebody else comes in and does them for com- on the computer. Right. I feel like, but if you look at like, there's a bit where there's a... Captain America energy shield kind of thing. And that's clearly anyway. The the point that I'm making is actually that it wasn't overdone in either case.
1: No, because Marvel will not figure
0: out how to do that for a while exactly and so i was kind of surprised that i was like this is probably going to look ugly but again it was a thing that really straddled times it like if this came out today i'd be like this coloring is perfect yeah and it is exactly how it should look so those elements of it are not the things that made it look like it was out of a different time the coloring was you know again perfectly valid if it was today perfect for what it is the high test colors you know stand out your purples for your kangs your yellows for your your pims and yep (laughs) So this, I just The whole time I also, I kept hearing Gabe Hardman in my head because Gabe Hardman drew Secret Avengers uh, at one point and he complained because most yep. of the characters who were males were blonde <laughs> males who had exactly the same face. And boy, did this book suffer from that. Here, The main <laughs> characters in this book are Rick Jones, who is the one who has slightly brownish hair. Other yeah, than right. that, you have Clint Barton, Steve Rogers, two Hank Pyms yep. and a Captain Marvel who are all white men with blonde hair.
1: Yeah. It's they, uh, it's pretty rough. <laughs> I don't know what that says about the Avengers, but they, they attract a type.
0: <laughs> they, they, well, they were originally called the Aryan Avengers, and they dropped that. So
1: the the premise of the story is, and I I, I would struggle I was, to I even... I got so excited when you said is, I was like, go on. I would struggle to even <laughs> sum this up in a paragraph, because it's a Kang story. And as we discussed a couple weeks ago on the Pick of the Week show, in which Kang the Conqueror and number four was Pick of the Week, it's not a great Kang story, unless it's slightly confusing.
0: I was about to say, you just said it's a Kang story, and I was like, that doesn't even cover it. Like, it, it's it's right. the, honestly, it's the Kang story. And it's it, because we are currently reading, if you're listening to this in real time, the Kang the Conqueror miniseries. And I'm not going to say I was surprised, but it was it was interesting to note that so much of that clearly comes from this. And then this is clearly drawn from... Basically every time Kang or a Mortis showed up. This is your master Kang class. Yeah. In this, this is your and I graduate say class. Originally, like I said, when I read it, I was left like, well, I don't really follow all that. But now, because of the way that it was told, like, I felt like I was like, they must have told us everything that ever happened to Kang in here was actually fairly well laid out in a way that I didn't grasp it before, that I, I kind of do now. And and you know, the the story part of it. Is just it's a man pushing against his destiny when he knows his destiny. I mean, that's right. that's kind of what it is, and it, he's going to be who he is, and he doesn't want
1: to be. And that's always Kang's problem. He doesn't want to be Immortus. Yeah, because that guy's a fucking intellectual. Well, that's that's all of us. <laughs> Immortus is trying to kill Rick Jones. The only part that really I didn't really know much about because I wasn't reading the stuff at the time was the Rick Jones Destiny Force Captain Marvel situation because that led to a Captain Marvel book where Rick Jones was like it was almost like a firestorm situation. I didn't really read that at the time, so I didn't really follow all that. But somehow Rick Jones was, had the Destiny Force inside of him, which is a callback to the Kree Scroll War. Again, this is like a Avengers spanning story. It's a time spanning story. So a bunch of classic characters, the Supreme Intelligence and Libra. They go through time and pull together a Avengers team to defend Rick Jones from a mortise. and that includes the Captain America who was disillusioned after discovering the American government was infiltrated in the first Secret Empire storyline, not the Nick Spencer one, but the original one. So he was he, he was mopey the whole time.
0: Like almost almost too much, but enough that you're like, this is very funny.
1: <laughs> you had two Hank Pims. One was the current Hank Pym, who was from the Avengers book, uh, so he was Giant Man. And then you had his crazy alter ego, Yellow jacket <laughs> who didn't know he was Hank Pym. I guess never took off his mask.
0: He didn't know that giant man was Hank Pym, so he did for a while. He I don't remember the point where he realized he did because eventually he figured it out. But he did not know that the very large man. I thought was he didn't wife, know he was Hank Pym. No, he, Cause at, cause at one, one point he's Pym. like, "I'm Pym." He knew who he was. He didn't want to go back to who Hank Pym was. It's sort of like the Hulk knows he's Banner, but he doesn't like Banner. That kind of that's the way that I looked at it. Right. But. He didn't know his own future, so he didn't understand that he goes back to being Pym. And when he found that out, he just didn't want to. So his actions are... Here's the thing. I don't think we need to explain all this, and I don't think we need to. So I
1: think... No, I just want to get to the roster. Right. Then you have the Wasp, also from the current team. So Wasp and Giant Man are from the Busick the Perez book. Songbird, who was from the future and also from Thunderbolts. Busick and who drew it? Oh, this oh, is Bagley. book of all time. It's Bagley. The Captain Marvel from the future, and then the star of the book, really, uh-huh. is one Clinton W. Barton. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> or as he referred to himself several
0: times near the end, Br'er Barton, which was quite a stretch. Br'er Barton.
1: That was a few times throughout the book.
0: Yeah, like it wasn't just once. The first time I was like, that's interesting. And then he said it again, because he would refer to himself... In that he was full on Hawkeye in this, like
1: exactly. Well, this is with post-Cree Scroll War Hawkeye yeah. wearing uh, not the purple outfit. A costume is actually worse than what he has now. Yeah, no. It's it, if you didn't think it was possible, his half top shirt. And I'm trying to find it, a good. There's pin. a lot of
0: science. There's a lot of science that doesn't make sense in comic book, but the science of how the sort of capelet top that he wears sticks to his skin.
1: Right. Is Pimp part particles. Of that problem. I guess so. So. He had mutton chops. If you're rather new to comics, you, you've heard us talk about Hawkeye now and how he's not the original. He's not the old Hawkeye. And, you know, just how the personality is different. Read this book. <laughs> this book will lay it out for you. This is how Hawkeye was when we grew up. He was the insecure Carney. Chip on his shoulder. Who spoke with sort of a, he dropped his G's and. Yeah. Very different than the Hawkeye now. And this is the one I grew up reading.
0: There was a high count of some of my favorite Marvel nicknames such as Tall Socks and High Pockets. He always uh, called he Giant Man High it. Pockets
1: or, yeah, tall, or socks? tall Socks. Yep. Oh, that came up a lot. Yeah. Oh, Brer Clint, Brer Hawkeye. So then there's been 12 issues either chasing Kang or Mortis or running from Kang and Mortis or fighting Kang There's a lot of We're a like lot of Kang. things that go on here. They teamed with Kang. Teaming up with Kang at the end, they did take a trip through Marvel history. They go to the Old West. They see all the classic Marvel Old West characters.
0: And they take a trip through alternate Marvel history because there's bits where it happened. You, go, I don't remember this, and they're like, "Well, we don't remember this." And you go, "Oh, this never happened in our timeline." Uh, and I guess the the other thing that sort of came out, looks like I said, it it reminded me a lot of the Kang series that we've been reading now. Is also how much of the recent um, Loki series, which I forgot Loki was even in it came from this
1: well that was the other thing i thought while reading this was is this particular book is almost like a rosetta stone for a lot of things going on now or things we've talked about in the last year i mean there's even a whole bit here that references the avengers west coast storyline that was a book explode earlier this year when they talk about the Vision's body and whether or not it is actually the human torch and where it comes from and they even go back to a scene from the book that we read earlier this year yeah between that and the timekeeper's that was directly in the Loki series. This was, I was like, there's a lot of stuff we've been dealing with this year was in this book. It was really sort of eye-opening, because I haven't read this book in, I don't know, 20 years.
0: And in Loki, the Immortus slash Kang is never called that. He is an Immortus-type version of that character. He's called He Who Remains. Right. But there is a He Who Remains in this who is neither of those people.
1: Unless he is. Unless it is. That's what I assume was him. <laughs> yeah, in the Loki series, he was called He Who Remains, and he was wearing Immortus's outfit. And here he remains as a different character who I just, I just always assume the last man standing is Kang somehow. Right. It's just this time-spanning, so super marvel adventure, you know, where Rick Jones is constantly complaining about being left behind, which I think is funny because he doesn't have superpowers, although he does.
0: Can I point out that the very first issue, uh, the cover of the very first issue is Rick Jones in a wheelchair, and uh, he's got Reebok pumps on. Uh-huh. And he has a Hot Tuna t-shirt on. The Hot <laughs> Tuna is a real rock band uh, from 1969, which is a spin off of Jefferson Airplane. So
1: Everything about this, though, I loved. I love the title treatment, which is that classic Avengers font for each title of the issue. I mean, this just felt, this feels like sort of one of the ultimate Marvel books. hmm You know? And it was fun. Well yeah, let's let's
0: uh, let's get into the like what what surprised you? What did you like as you sort of went through it?
1: Well, I had you know, I have the vaguest of memories of the actual mechanics of the plot. So, you know, it was all new to me in a way. But I really liked and was surprised by how much as you said it was sort of a Kang masterclass. It's not just these Avengers come together, we spend, I think, like, two full issues almost on Kang's history. At least one. At we...
0: one that is is from, he's gone to his thinking place, and it's basically just him narrating his entire history right. to himself, and it is vast. And I thought, really, did did Kang show up this often? Because in 1999, the Marvel Universe was 37 years old? Thirty six, I'm thirty seven, 38 years old. Sixty one is Fantastic Four, and you know, I thought, God, did he show up this much? But then I thought, you know, I bet most of these things happened in one issue, maybe two, <laughs> right? Because that's just how it went back then. They had to think of a lot more stories back then. They didn't have to make them as detailed, but you know, that's how it goes. And yeah, I was really impressed by sort of. the And he's not even like, he's not Doom. Like he's not right. the number one,
1: no, uh, villain. But he's an all time Avengers villain. And Fantastic Four. Really laid out here. I mean, you going through some major moments in Marvel history that are alluded to here. There's a lot more than I was expecting about the vision, about his identity, which is sort of tangential but becomes important later on. I was surprised by how much Busick and Pacheco enjoyed employing the very, very long and skinny panel on the left hand side. That's true. Yep. There's yep. a lot of like page long panels. And also just I was impressed, especially since they did the whole series. Of how much is in these pages. It's so much. These are panels, and they're packed. Packed full of action and characters and dialogue and captions and everything. There's like, no, you can't pick a page here and open it up, and it's like a three-panel, you know. Well, there's and, maybe one or two. I just found one. But they're mostly just also, packed full of panels.
0: If then we're going to put it in the time that it was done, so this would have been 98- or mm-hmm. So internet was a thing, but it was not, I don't think necessarily most people had it yep. probably on dial up at this point. It is not, you know, all encompassing. So chances are the editors, the folks at Marvel assistant editors, whoever interns had to send packs of reference oh, and yeah. research because there's like literally every Marvel character is in here i mean not literally every but i mean hundreds of them and designs things you couldn't possibly know the research that this must have required in the fact like going back to what were probably like the actual comic books
1: oh my friend uh you did not get read through the trade i have the uh appendix in the trade Uh which goes through each issue and tells you where the characters came from limbo was first seen in avengers number two and mortis debuted avengers number 10 like it was every you know Doctor Doom's fateful meeting with the Pharaoh Ramatut occurred in Fantastic Four Annual Number Two. Like Busick went deep on this, and
0: I and I don't mean to take away from anybody who does this kind of work today, but it is more impressive to have done it
1: then, right? Because you couldn't just it call it up the internet, is. Wikipedia,
0: right? And, I mean, or even even, even they have files and they can cross reference or whatever, but like he had to know, you know, certain parts of it, and then you go and you've got to read the thing. You need the sure.
1: visual reference for the artists.
0: And it, it's it's, all, it's just, a lot of work. Yeah, but so at the same time, you know, I wasn't necessarily enough of a Marvel head at the time to like I could appreciate the craft of it, but I didn't get as many of the references and bits this time. You know,
1: now oh, I, I think I for sure. I mean, even though I was, I've been reading for 15 years at that point, I still would a lot of what have gone over my head much less now than I, you know, as a as a super user now, I get a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just this appendix just goes on for pages and pages. I mean, if Busick didn't read the entirety of the Avengers history to do this, I don't, you know, he must just have <laughs> it at his fingertips.
0: I mean, I think there's a good chance that a lot of these guys did. I think Busick and Wade, who are coming up at the same time, and while
1: well, are not interchangeable, uh, there. Well, were- you will be not to be surprised that Wade was involved in the germ of this idea. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that,
0: but I sort of put them together in my head because they're both they both discovered them at the same time. This late '90s Marvel thing, yep. and they stood out, you know, as as oh, this is while sort of in the style, there was a freshness about the two of them, and they came in and they did a lot of great comics. I mean, their gosh scale was very high at the time. Off the charts. There was a thing for that, and they they just got it, not unlike a Jeff Johns would do, you know, eight years later or so from that, and they don't have the same style they're not the same guy yeah no. uh, but i do think of them as sort of like they came through and rushed it at the same time and you know when then wade not long ago did that history of the marvel universe thing which reads like this but with less plot right. I need
1: that to make it up <laughs> it was wade's idea to pull the avengers from various points in time
0: and that's the thing that makes this a perennial yep because it's the thing that makes it not, like that's why you don't do it in the regular Avengers ongoing book right there. Even though you could have, because you've got Hank and Janet, you know, they could have been the linchpins and you could have said this was going. It's not all that different from whatever Jason Aaron's been doing in Avengers now. But it's funny to have him do this at the same time as he's doing Avengers, which is at the same time as he's doing Thunderbolts. Those are all big ass team books. Yeah, does take a lot of energy. I really wonder what his scripts look like. I don't know if they did full script back then.
1: There was actually a really good introduction he wrote here. It was two pages. I just read the issues, basically. Sure, sure, sure. But I had the whole thing, so I I, I read this, too. And he said, basically, they almost loosely plotted it. Like, they had a roadmap, but they were like, we'll see if we get there. Wow. I think that shows a little bit. He usually works with a super, super tight outline, but here he was like, let's just see what happens. We know the big pillars, we know the, the big beats, but let's see. And they said they pulled you know, they pulled it off for the most part. Mm-hmm. I had tons of fun reading this. I mean, it's dense. It took me a long time. It was 12 issues. It's probably enough material for like 30 modern comics. Mm-hmm. But I had fun. I remember, you know, it's, at the time, just wanting a big old Avenger story. And this was like, okay, now, we're, now it's an issue with the Kid Cult and the Two-Gun Kid. And now it's an issue with these future fascist Avengers. And now it's an issue about Kang. So I think at the time... Not that I was a child, but I was younger. I wasn't really appreciating. And I did enjoy it. I did did really enjoy it the whole thing way through. But I didn't love it as much as I was hoping to because it wasn't what I was expecting. But by the end, I I did love it.
0: I didn't at any point expect not to love it. Mm -hmm. But I loved how hard it leaned into what it was. Right. Like it was so, and no one could do this now. This is the other thing. No one could do this now unless they had grown up reading these comics as they were coming out and right. had you know what i mean like even if dan slot's got to be younger than than these folks but yeah, even yeah so, sure. like, i don't think it works like guys who came up reading comics in the late 60s and 70s and then got involved in them professionally like they had that and they they lived in a couple of different worlds and there, there was there wasn't so much of a line behind it. I think that the this book came out exactly when it did when it had to, and it couldn't have come out at any other time and for like I, honestly also, I don't know like, if you are ten years younger than us and you go back and read this, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to do the same thing for you. I still think you can enjoy it. You might not enjoy it exactly the same way, but that's everything.
1: yeah, I love the story. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You have to buckle your seatbelt yeah, for a wild kang ride, you know Kang, bang, walla, walla bing bang. bang as Okay calls him in the page I just found. It's really a t- Hawkeye tour de force. <laughs>
0: that, that, yeah, no, it was that. Another bit, I think, was at the end, you, you think you're going to lose track of it, and that's when they show up with a Kang cycle, which <laughs> is this three-wheeled, uh, uh, armored cycle that goes through time. Kang is in the front with an armor shield, and then in the back is uh, Rick Jones, and then strapped on. Uh, the, uh, there's two seats in the back. I'm trying to, I'm looking for it to see who's in the other seat. but right. And then strapped to the back is the Supreme Intelligence, who's much larger than the whole thing itself. The Supreme Intelligence right, is one of right. my favorite villains because you just have no idea what to even do with that. Like, I don't know if he's a good guy, if he's a bad guy. I don't know anything. Oh. No, Rick Jones is driving, and then Kang is in the back seat, and he is armed to the teeth. He's got his big double-barrel gun in his right hand and his big sort of rocket launchery thing, In his uh, left. Oh yeah, I found that page. And then the supreme intelligence is just hanging (laughs) off the back. But you got to understand, he's like a giant seal tank. Yeah. And there's Kirby dots all around, everywhere. And then it's great. I just have to. So that's the end of. I think it's the tenth issue. Maybe the eleventh. I think it's the end. Uh, It's the end of ten. Is that shows up, and then as you come into the the eleventh issue, the first page is or the second page is is that them coming back in, and the second panel is basically the same shot from a slightly different angle. The second panel is the Avengers, all of the blonde men reacting, mm-hmm. and it's just the big giant is like Kang, and then Yellow Jacket, yep, Kang, Rick, and then Clint delivers the supreme intelligence on a dune buggy. That's <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's joy. Personica I think 11 from, was my favorite issue. Yeah, comic book form. Yeah, it, it, that was, it really, it got better as it kept going.
1: It didn't lose steam.
0: I love the Kang
1: Avengers team up. You know, I always loved that.
0: Yeah, I like that. And there was, they, they also helped illustrate a thread where Kang throughout the whole thing in history, like really, like respects the Avengers. Like there's right. all these times where he doesn't kill them or he doesn't. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, Amortis was supposed to destroy them, but he keeps the timekeepers from killing them. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a hell of a book. It is a moment in time that is captured really well, and it captures an era, the end of an era really well. And I think if you weren't reading that then, you have to know that going into it that this is not like any comic you're going to be reading this week. Yeah, it's a time and a place, and it's not like the '60s comics either. It's a combo, it's a mishmash of the yeah. of of the eras. It's modern, but it's throwback. It's dense. It's over the top. It's very fun.
0: So this would be the point where I would ask, like, is there anything you didn't like about it? But I couldn't think of a way to answer that.
1: Yeah, it's tough because it's so sprawling, you know. There might be s- scenes or whatever, but...
0: The things that are weaknesses about it don't feel that way because that's part of the enjoyment. Weaknesses are really just, like, it's way too much. Yeah, like, it's it, a lot. Like, if a comic book like this came out now and... I, I don't think I could... Even if it was trying to be retro-modern or, or, God forbid, somebody was doing this sincerely now, you'd be like, all right, less on the pages. But in this, is just so much part of what it is. But, I, I mean, I think if you read... um right. Who was that Green Lantern? The Green Lantern. That felt a little Lantern, like yeah. this. The, the Grant Morrison book, where it was just so much coming at you all the time, and it was just on the edge of being unhinged. Now, I didn't have enough to hold on to there. And it was, it was probably more frenetic, but that's the closest I can think of, sort of a modern version, or contemporary, not modern, right, uh, of sort of that kind of book, and it doesn't work really well. I think But it's... even then,
1: you had an art style that's completely opposite of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But at times, Liam Sharp's art style is completely
1: opposite of itself, so... Well, that was another problem, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like it. They don't make comics like this anymore. They don't make them like they used to, kid. I guess the other thing is that you know it was supposed
0: to feel like it was something special like and it was an event and it
1: did yes it has whatever that magic is that undefinable that modern events just don't have
0: yeah it's the every time we read a modern event we're like why didn't it feel like that you know like that's really like what like I, I'd love you compare this to like fear itself like what was the difference or to the the tree people one that they just did who are who are name checked in this the Kotadi exist in this right. empire you know I don't know. I, th- I think it was the thing is that Kurt Music was actually doing it, and other people were emulating it. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was fun, I, it, and it was I was excited to read it. But I hadn't. It has been so long that I was a little worried, only because I was like, "Oh no, yeah. don't disappoint me." Mm-hmm. You know, don't be better in my memory than in reality. But it was. It was very good.
0: I'm trying to think if there's a book that we have done for these where that happened. It was probably a little bit in the middle of. We're near the end of New Gods when we did it, where I was like, Ooh. Actually, and that's true, that after the main story, yes, and there was the stuff that Kirby did later. and the the Stuff that, was, that came like, back with wasn't yeah, 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 that's true.
1: But it didn't diminish the volume. It was just... It's true.
0: I mean, I think the thing, and maybe it's because we go into these wanting to like it and having good, fond memories, and so we give it, you know, but a lot of the book splits that we've done... Even stuff that we'd never read before, when I think back to, you know, Born Again, which we'd read, but more or less not. Like, so many of them, like, there's just these, you and I, at least, are are finding, like, this is great. This is everything that was great about this time. And there's, there's, like, it's, I guess what it is, is it's amazing how many of these actual great classic stories really hold up, not necessarily to modern comics, but they hold, the enjoyment of them holds up like if you've been like washing comic book history like we have for such a long time then you go back to these roots things it's like a beatles album you're like oh yeah it's all totally there it's yep. great yeah. you know and i really that's really interesting you know I, you know you'd think you know think, you know, go back and you're you've seen a lot you're jaded you're whatever you wouldn't be able to enjoy it but man i feel like i enjoy these comics more than anything cuz <laughs> it's just not it's not trying to be anything other than what it is
1: yeah and you're, and you've got two people who are very good at making comics or you know a whole team but in, Busek and Pacheco and Stern and Marino and Olive and all of them. And Tom Brevoort was the editor,
0: you know, this is peak Tom Brevoort. This is what you, this is what you hired Tom Brevoort for back then. And today to a certain extent, although he's the executive editor now, so he's less sort of hands on, but I'm sure he knew all the stuff too.
1: This is a meaty tone. It's 200 and yeah. Each of the issues was
0: probably 22 pages, but they didn't feel like it. Like I had to space these out. I was like,
1: it's, it was all, Oh yeah. No, you know, I was like, oh, I'll sit down and read five of these. And like, nope.
0: Right. Like, on a given Wednesday, any week, you know, we'll read 15, 20 books or something like that. And technically, this is only 12 issues, but you could, like, Mm-mm. I couldn't imagine going through this in one sitting. It's exhausting.
1: No, no, no. no. I couldn't do it. I think I read two at a time. No. That was about the most
0: I could do. Basically, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I did like four in my last, but it was over hours.
1: Like well, also by the end, it's, it gets really, you know, it's going downhill.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually true. It does pick up. You, at the end, you're not like, I just want this to end. At the end is when it all starts coming together in a really nice way, which makes that note you said earlier, but them kind of winging it, it makes it all the more impressive.
1: Yep. So let's uh, let's do some ratings on Avengers Forever. The 1998-1999 12-issue miniseries from Kurt Busiek, Roger Stern, Carlos Pacheco, Jesus Marino, Steve Olaf, and Richard Starkings and Albert DeShesny, what'd you say? DeShane. DeShane? DeShane.
0: I mean, he could pronounce it differently.
1: Out of five stars, I'm going to give it
0: a 4.8. I was going to say 4.75. There's nothing wrong with it. It is perfect to be what it is. It's not quite you know like all time greatest things mm-hmm. it's just
1: under there
0: yeah it perfectly represents a time
1: like you said earlier I have a hard time finding faults but it's a lot and so that you mm-hmm. knock off a couple of percentage
0: you know not even full percentage points just a little bit but i think a lot the overload is its strength that's what it's supposed to be it's forever it's you know all times it's you know right but it is it's that, that doesn't make it easy
1: how's that no you got to work for it so that was the blow for this month, although there's another one coming because we, we accidentally missed a month. So you can look for another load. I think next week, actually, if you're listening to this live. We'll be talking <laughs> about the death of Captain Marvel, another classic of Marvel story. This one we, neither one of us had read before as opposed to this Avengers book. So look forward to that coming out as well as all of our podcasts. This is the end of the year and we always cram a lot of shows in before our winter breaks. So you can find them all at fanboy.com including our weekly Pick of the Week show where Josh and I talk about the week's new comics. And thanks to the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy who unlocked this show for everyone to enjoy. And until next time, thanks for talking about the book with me, High Pockets. Sure thing,
0: tall socks. I wish I had time to think of like a snarky Clint-like chip on his shoulder, bedraggled response. Right. He's just looking. He's clearly just looking for acceptance and a friend. That's all he wants. Yeah. He just wants somebody to tell him good job. And the problem is he had a Captain America who couldn't even tell himself that.
1: It's true. Yeah. They all had problems. It's the Marvel way. Big time.
0: Not Janet. She was with it. She had no time for this nonsense.
1: Look around. grass is <laughs> high. It's the springtime.